from the land of adventure and diversity. These are the stories of extraordinary Africans, only on Faces of Africa. Water is life. 70% of the Earth's surface is covered with water. Life on Earth is dependent on healthy oceans and our entire marine ecosystem is under severe stress. The ocean systems are so complex, completely interwoven and reliant on one another. And if one thing goes, then there's going to be a tipping point in a really bad way. And the thing is that the oceans don't need humans, but boy, we need the oceans. Every second breath that we take comes from the ocean. If life in the oceans cease, so will we. I've been on and around the ocean since childhood. After running a successful commercial diving company for the past 20 years, I felt a need to give back. With the global focus on plastic pollution and my oldest son Tristan studying marine biology, I wanted to get involved and see for myself the true extent of the pollution in our region, the Western Indian Ocean. In 2015, I started developing the idea of going on an epic ocean adventure but I felt it had to have a purpose. I decided that we should go on a voyage off the beaten track, a journey that focuses on the impact of plastics in our oceans. The ocean played a huge part in my growing up years. I spent hours in or on the water, so choosing my field of study in marine biology was easy. It's not only the science, but also the energy of the ocean that gets me. When my dad spoke to me about this trip he had in mind, I got the idea of researching the effects of microplastics on seagrass and actually decided to do it as a dissertation. Seagrass is considered an ecosystem engineer. It provides habitat, nurseries and food to a wide range of species. If seagrass sediment is trapping microplastics, the impact on our oceans could be far worse than we previously thought. I live for the ocean. Give me good waves and a surfboard and I'm stoked. I've sailed thousands of miles around the world over many years and I just have this deep love for the sea. Gert and me have been buddies for a long time and when he said he needed a skipper for the trip, it was a no-brainer. Ask him. After running the South African coastline, we'll be heading towards Madagascar. Then we'll hug the coast going north. From there on to the Seychelles. From there we will make our way to the Maldives. And then to Chagos. A few hundred miles south of the Maldives. It's every yachty's dream to go there. Way, way off the beaten track. Due to time constraints and varying sea conditions, for our journey, Mark and I decided that we needed a motor yacht. After many months of searching, we found a Shane. Absolutely perfect for our expedition. She is strong, sleek, and extremely light on fuel. We sailed her to Cape Town and rebuilt the interior to make her more suited as our expedition vessel.
Every year, approximately 400 million tons of plastic is produced. And about 40% of that is single use. So I'm going to use it once and throw it away, which doesn't make any sense at all. The best estimates suggest that 79% of that is not recycled, it's not turned into energy, it's just going into landfill or into the environment in some way. And each year, it is estimated that between five to eight million tons of plastic makes it into our oceans. Over time, large pieces of plastic will break down into smaller and smaller pieces that eventually become microplastics. My research will look directly into the effect of these microplastics on seagrass. When it comes to the environmental cost and the ecological cost of plastic, the most obvious one is the entanglement issue. So all those heart-rending pictures you see of seals being slowly strangled, turtles being strangled, being impeded in their ability to move. The biggest environmental concern and the reason why everybody's got very het up about plastics is because of plastic getting into food webs, so ingestion, animals eating plastic. There's a couple of reasons why animals eat plastic. Sometimes they just do it accidentally. So if you're a baleen whale swimming along in the ocean and your strategy is to just engulf whole schools of fish, you're going to swallow the odd plastic bag as well. But there's a whole bunch of organisms that actively eat plastic selectively. You can see that they're picking certain types of plastic. They just haven't learned to discriminate between what's edible and what's not. If it's a sharp piece of plastic, it can cut you up inside. Um, if it's a big piece of plastic, it can potentially just block your whole digestive tract. The really big concern for everybody and why people are worried about it is because plastics potentially introduce toxic compounds into the food web. And we as marine consumers are sitting at the top of that food web, so maybe we're also getting exposed to those toxins. After three years of planning and preparing, we are finally ready for the open ocean. Our destination is Tulia, Madagascar. ETA is Saturday in Tulia. Thank you very much, madam. It was a wonderful stay in Richards Bay. Have a great watch and thanks for all the assistance. Let's go, let's go, Indian Ocean. Here we come. We um, headed out of Richards Bay this morning around 7 o'clock and we sort of went straight into a bit of a northeasterly wind and swell. Nothing too crazy, but we did have to sort of dropped down the revs a little bit just because we were bashing into the short period. Also to be out here, looking for the meat for the boys. We're on the road. Watching it, she was like dancing this way, and then every now and then, 
Crashing Network Nazi. Madagascar is a huge island. 250 nautical miles from the east coast of Africa, it's actually the fourth largest island in the world, with a population of 25 million people. After 72 hours on the open ocean, it's all gone pretty well. But we are looking forward to getting back on land and stocking up with fresh food. Okay, so check here, Bree, this is classic here. See, this is the, this is the Madagascar style of plastic bags. Hardly any plastic at all in the market, and not one piece in our basket. This is how to be. One bit of plastic. After stocking up with fresh food and refueling, we're going to up anchor and head south to our next destination, Fasi. As we arrive in Bafasi, we notice that they have a very different take on single-use plastic. That's plastic. Every single one of these is an old piece of a, of a flip-flop, what we call, call slops. It just shows you how what would be lying on the beach as waste and pollution is actually found a second life and has become very useful to these guys as flotation and keeps the beaches clean. Due to overfishing in the area, an NGO called Blue Ventures introduced seaweed farming. This not only brings down the poverty and dependence on fishing for income, it has also enabled the fish populations and marine ecosystems to recover. Seaweed contains an alginate that is used as a commercial thickening agent in food, beauty products and pharmaceuticals. It's grown on cultivation lines in the water and then harvested. The locals reuse water bottles they find to keep the lines floating close to the surface, which is where the seaweed gets all its sunlight for photosynthesis. You can see the plastic that's on the beach is really old, breaking up basically, you know, which then becomes your microplastic somewhere. But the quantity on the beach is, is not massive. Travelling all the way up the west coast of Madagascar towards the north, our experience isn't quite what we expected. It's difficult to get to land in many of these areas due to the rugged coastline. Where we did get on land, we found very little plastic on the beaches and almost none in the water. In populated villages, pollution is visible. It gathers in rivers and streams and apparently in the rainy season, it does wash out into the open oceans. Along the way, we meet some passionate role players. It soon becomes clear that plastic pollution is not yet as big of a problem here as it is in the rest of the world. Although there is some plastic, it's minimal. Madagascar has been a really cool and authentic experience. The pristine coastline and incredible diving just makes it exceptional. After a lot of cruising, exploring, and getting up north, we're eventually here 
and it's time for me to get to work in the seagrass. This is our first dive. We'll be on the seagrass beds. Uh, we're going to go down a shot line, and then from there, we'll go along each cardinal point. So we'll go along the north line, collect a sample at five meters from that central point, 10 meters, 15 meters, and replicate that. Uh, that will give us 12 samples from the seagrass, and then we'll pick everything up, head a little bit further down the beach, and jump onto the sand bottom and do the same thing there. So by the end of today, we should have 24 samples. I'm quite excited to do it. It's been a, quite a long time coming. A lot of planning's gone into it, a lot of thought. to get the sediments from out between the seagrass. Just, I mean, that's where it does, it's a sediment stabilizer, so it makes it quite firm down there. We've got all good. Managed to fill all the jars. We're about to jump in on the sand bottom. Should be a lot easier, a lot quicker, a lot less hassle. To be able to prove that seagrass is trapping more microplastics in its sediments due to its stabilizing nature, we also take samples from nearby sand beds to act as a comparison. bit by surprise just how hard it was going to be to actually get the sediments from underneath the seagrass. Obviously you don't want to cause too much damage to the, the ecosystem. So it took a bit longer than expected but uh, you know we just pushed through and got it all done. Got what we needed to get. We're in the open ocean. We literally now are parallel with the end of Madagascar. It's always good to be at sea. Looking forward to the next few days. Um, hopefully the, the sea gods are good to us and we have reasonable sailing conditions. And yeah, looking forward to the social, something different, a new chapter. took a wave on the side and everything literally came down. I just saw this whiteboard on the window. The next thing, microwave, everything that was up was down in one quick swoop. This is the pose called not phase. Oh well, I got my kitchen cleaned. <laughs>
Seychelles is an archipelago consisting of some 115 islands, which are all fairly spread out. Mahi is the main island, and the capital city of Victoria is our first stop. The Seychelles is interesting because the government has already banned plastic bags, and we've heard that there are plans to restrict other single-use items as well. As we arrive, the effects are clear to see. There's really not that much plastic lying around. It's World Cleanup Day, and we're joining up with the Ocean Project team, who were a big part of the push to ban plastic bags. So the government in 2017 announced a ban on plastic bags and styrofoam takeaway boxes. You most probably won't find any styrofoam takeaway boxes, um, but you'll still find some bags. This is because the ban is not a complete ban on plastic bags, but it is only a partial one, and I think the idea behind it was that it would be phased out eventually. So we have actually about 27 cleanups that are happening. It's really this huge collaborative um, event and the same thing across all of the beaches we're cleaning. We have hotels, NGOs, community groups and schools um, leading them. We are asking the cleanup lead to separate um, plastic bottles, but sadly everything else will go to the landfill. Why we do these cleanups? I mean, it's not necessarily just to stop rubbish from ending up in the sea or to collect marine litter. It is to get people down to the beach to see for themselves how much rubbish there is and what it's made of and, and learn a bit more about plastic. the beach cleanup we decided to take a drive to Providence just to have a look at the landfill site that actually highlights the problem that this little chain island has. The hillside on that side has been compacted and actually vegetation is growing on it so they're just dumping and, and creating this, this land mass of, of waste. But just look at all those birds feeding on whatever's here. I mean there must be plastic ingestion here second to none. years to come as, as tourism increases, there's more resorts, more people visiting, more local population. It's been interesting to know from, from the government whether they've got any uh, long-term plans on how to actually deal with this. We were very fortunate uh, Sheena managed to organize for us a meeting with waste management which falls under the Ministry of uh, environmental and climate change. Waste management, solid waste management, is, is one of our biggest challenge. We are constrained by, by space. Being a small island developing state, uh, heavily reliant on, on tourism, obviously the cleanliness of the environment is key to us. The whole issue of, of plastics in general is increasingly becoming uh, a greater concern. We don't have much options in terms of continuing with, with landfilling. One approach which we're looking at and the rest of the world is looking at also is uh, waste to energy. So that's the future for us. Waste to energy sounds like a great solution as this could give some value to the waste already in landfills and drastically improve waste management moving forward, especially for areas like this with limited land space. 
Education, legislation and waste becoming a resource are the main takeaways from our time in the Seychelles. It has been such a positive experience seeing how proactive they are here. Their partial ban on plastics has already made an impact on the amount of trash that gets produced. Most of the lodges and resorts have their own cleanup initiatives. And on the streets and beaches, you just don't see that much plastic lying around. Another thing that I'm super stoked about is we've managed to secure a lab in the university science department for the analysis of my sediment samples. Okay, we're heading out to visit the outer islands. Off we go. Apparently plastic is not as well managed as it is around Mahe. So it'll be very interesting to see. Our first stop is Kuzan Island. It was the first sea and island reserve in the Indian Ocean. Yeah, sounds that. Have you seen any effects just with plastic washing up? Obviously, there's not much produced on the islands being reserved. But have you seen anything in your time here? Yeah, actually, hugely. Because we right across from Prawlin, you can see a lot of the plastic gets blown onto our beaches, onto the shores, and all across the island. So when we do cleanups, we fill multiple garbage bags. And we see a lot of water bottles, majority flip-flops. You're just basically seeing the prevalent tourism, the stereotypes. It's weekly, it's manageable. If you leave it a month, you get a ton of it. Kuzan Island is still relatively close to the main hub of the Seychelles, so the plastic seems to be mostly from this area. What's worrying, though, is if they don't clean the beaches, plastic starts to build up. The further out the islands are, the more the plastic piles up and the bigger the problem seems to be. It's believed that most of the plastic that washes up on these islands comes from Southeast Asia. Even though the plastic pollution around Mahe doesn't seem that bad, I'm still curious to find out what lies in the seagrass here. We're going to get in the water and do our second sample acquisition. It'll be interesting to see how the results differ between Madagascar and the Seychelles, and how that relates to our experiences with plastic in each location. Perfect. Water was really shallow, which makes things easy. Um, always looks a bit funny to be on scuba in such shallow water. But uh, yeah, it makes things a lot easier just collecting samples. And everything went smoothly. The distance from Mahe to the main island of Mali in the Maldives is 1,206 nautical miles. The Maldives is an archipelago made up of 27 atolls, an atoll being a ring or chain of islands formed of coral reef. We've seen a lot of stuff about how awesome and beautiful it is there, but then we also met an Australian family while we were in Madagascar who had come from that side and said that the plastic there is some of the worst they've seen, so we're not really sure what to expect when we get there. Hopefully it's not too bad, but time will tell. 
The city of Mali is jam-packed. With only 2.2 square kilometers of land space, it was built to cater for 60,000 people. But today, it has a staggering population of 158,000. Needless to say, this has created major challenges for the government, and even more so for the environment. The water all around us is dirty, full of marine debris, and it's not much different on land. There's trash lying around everywhere. Right next to half empty bins. Waste is collected in the city and then offloaded onto a barge and taken to a nearby island called Tilifushi. Infamously known as Burning Island, it was founded on reclaimed land. But the scary thing is that this reclaimed land has been built using unseparated waste. Just such amazing contrast, this absolutely crystal clear water and then on the surface, just as far as the eye can see, there's floats and plastic, single use, it doesn't matter, it's just general marine litter. But I mean, if you just look out over this bay, there's just plastic, is everywhere. I mean, it really is unbelievable. And you look now behind us, you can see why it's called Burning Island. Ripples of change 